Sometimes, the topics we talk about on this show are so powerful, I have to open the episode with an ethical disclaimer. That's right, it's time for another episode about marketing psychology, and today we're going to talk about reciprocity. What you're about to learn is so powerful, it can be used for both good and evil. So please use these principles for good. What does that mean? It means using marketing psychology to help people make decisions that make their lives better. That said, what you're about to learn won't just help you sell more books. It will also help you make the world a better place through your marketing, even before people buy your book. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., Vulcan of Book Marketing, and this is Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a difference with writing worth talking about. And deep within us is an innate sense of justice. If someone punches you in the face, something deep within you wants to punch them back. Likewise, if someone does you a kindness, something in you wants to do them a kindness back to balance the scales. And this is not something we're taught. My one-year-old can't talk yet, but he already knows when something is unfair. If he sees his big sister doing something fun, he wants to do it too. And if he can't, it makes him very unhappy. Deep within the human condition is a desire for judicial balance. There's a reason people respond much obliged after you do them a kindness. They feel they owe you something. And according to anthropologists, this reciprocal exchange of favors and gifts is the foundation of all human cultures that we know of. There may be a human culture somewhere in the world that doesn't work on the principle of reciprocity, but we haven't found it yet. To understand how you can use reciprocity to get strangers to want to buy your book, I would like to share with you two perspectives. One is from a parable from the Bible, and the other is from a famous scientific study. In other words, this marketing technique is both cutting edge and very ancient. So let's start with the parable. Jesus tells a parable in the Gospel of Luke about a business manager. And I've asked Christy Hall of Fame author and audiobook narrator James L. Rubart to read us this story from the New Living Translation of the Bible. There was once a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order, because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, How much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, Take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, Take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. 
So, doing favors for other people makes them want to do favors for you. But can it work on strangers? Well, there's a famous scientific study that went out to answer that question. Some researchers set up an experiment where they asked study participants to help evaluate art. But as with all of these psychological experiments, the art was not the point. The real experiment had to do with their partner, Joe. Now, Joe was working with the researchers. And after a while of evaluating art with the study participant, Joe would leave for a short break and come back with a couple of cans of Coke. They said I could buy a Coke on my break, so I brought you one too, Joe would say. He would then offer the second can of Coke to the study participant, which they always accepted. Then, at the end of the art evaluation, Joe would ask if the study participant wanted to buy some raffle tickets. And in nearly every instance, people bought more raffle tickets than the cost of the can of Coke. The control group of participants that did not get the Coke bought fewer raffle tickets from Joe. Significantly fewer raffle tickets. And how many tickets they did buy was closely linked to how much they liked Joe. But for participants who did receive the Coke, they bought a lot of raffle tickets, even if they didn't like Joe. In versions of this experiment, where the study participants overheard Joe being rude on the phone to someone, they still bought a lot of raffle tickets from Joe uh, if they first received a Coke. Why? Because of the power of reciprocity. If you feel like people generally don't like you, reciprocity is one way to get around that. They don't need to like you for them to want to buy your book. Anyway, so the principle here is to sow first. If you want someone to want to do something nice for you, like buy your book, you must first do something nice for them. What you give must feel like a gift, not like an exchange. When you buy a can of Coke from someone, you don't feel like you owe that person anything because you're already even. You gave them the money for the Coke. In the same way, discounts generally don't trigger reciprocity. Cans of Coke are normally a dollar, but you buy it on sale for half off. You don't feel like you owe the store 50 cents. Your readers must feel like you have given them something of real value. So what kind of gifts can you give your readers? Well, buying them a can of Coke is probably not the right kind of gift. <laughs> and in nowadays, probably not as good of a gift as it would have been back when the study was done uh, first in the 1960s, uh, with people being concerned about their sugar intake. So what you give readers depends on your brand, it depends on your audience, and it depends on your book. But let me give you some ideas to get the gears of creativity turning. Let's first talk about websites. What if, instead of thinking of your website as a place that's all about you, you thought about your website like it was a gift for your readers, filled with treasures that they could uncover on every page? This little change in thinking changes everything. <laughs> Suddenly, you will have a website people don't just want to visit, but they want to recommend to their friends. And if you need help transforming your website into a gift for your readers, I have a gift for you. It's my course, How to Build an Amazing Website. In the first part of that course, I walk you through the technical side of building a website yourself, which if you already have a website, you can skip. And in the second part of the course, I talk about six different kinds of visitors who come to author websites and how to thrill them. Different people are looking for different things from an author website. And if you can thrill those people the way they want to be thrilled, 
you will have a powerful and popular website that people won't shut up about. And this course is my gift to you. You can get it with the link in the show notes at no cost. And you can find that link at authormedia.com forward slash 280 for episode 280. Now, for fiction, the most obvious thing to give away is a free novella or short story. It introduces your reader to your writing, your characters, and your story world. And if you write well, the more readers read your writing, the more they will want to read your writing, and the more they will be willing to pay to read what happens next. Now, many readers are willing to exchange an email address for a free novella. This exchange turns the novella into what's called a reader magnet. And it makes it less of a gift because sometimes people feel like they have, quote, paid, unquote, for the reader magnet, for the novella with their email address. But the better and the longer the story is, the more it will feel like a generous gift. The more generous the gift, the more readers will want to reciprocate. I'm going to keep saying this because this is the point. So don't give away the first short story you've ever written in your life. That is likely the worst short story you will ever write. Every short story you write after that will build on the experience that you had writing that first one. The carpenter doesn't just build the house. The house builds the carpenter. So practice the art of writing short stories. Get good at writing short stories and then give away your best work. Give it to a professional cover designer. Give it to a professional editor and make it spectacular. And eventually it will no longer be your best work because the next book you write after writing all those short stories will be even better as a result of all of this practice. The more it feels like you've given your readers a valuable gift, the more it will spread and the more readers you will bring in. Uh, authors who are going through our five-year plan are much better prepared to give away novellas because they write a lot of short stories while going through that course. A lot of authors who are not going through the five-year plan and are just kind of learning things the hard way, the first thing they do is write a novel-length story, which is the hardest, slowest way to get good at writing. <laughs> so even if you're not going through the five-year plan, do yourself a favor and start reading books on craft and then writing short stories, implementing the principles taught in those books on craft. Write lots of short stories. Practice. Build your muscles. It will pay for itself many times over. That practice will make your novels better and is well worth the investment. And if you're wanting help on short stories, we have a couple of episodes. One is How to Write Short Stories People Will Love with a special guest, James Scott Bell. And we have an episode How to Create a Reader Magnet. This episode walks you through some of the technical elements of setting up that exchange where you get the reader's email address in exchange for the book. Another way authors can bless their readers and trigger reciprocal feelings in them is through the use of a helpful email newsletter. For an email to trigger reciprocal feelings, it needs to be truly valuable. That means helpful or entertaining. The emails need to be about your readers and what they want, not about you and what you want. You know you sent this kind of email when subscribers email you back to say thank you or if they forward it to their friends. So what do you put in your email newsletter? Well, one easy thing is to put book reviews or book summaries. A book summary and commentary on the book can be particularly useful for nonfiction, but people who read fiction are always looking for the next great read. And if you can help them find that next great read by providing valuable reviews, it makes your email incredibly valuable. 
and it sets you up as a trusted source for what book to read next, which is a great place to be when you have your book as the next book to read. The opportunities for email newsletters really are endless, and they really do vary based off of your brand and your audience and your book. And if you don't know where to start, get to know your readers. Ask them what they want from you. And if you still have a small list, try to get your subscribers on the phone or even take them out for coffee. Talk about a way to create reciprocity. Can I buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain about the kinds of books that you love so that I can better write the kind of books that you will love? (laughs) So for more on this, listen to episode 57, What to Include in an Author Newsletter. That episode is packed with more ideas. Uh, And then we also have over a dozen other episodes on email newsletters. We have a lot of episodes on email newsletters here on the podcast. Another way that you can uh, sow blessings into the lives of your readers that will bring forth a harvest of reciprocity is through blog posts. Not only do blog posts help make your readers' lives better, but it can also help you hone your craft and your message, especially if you're writing nonfiction. But it helps for fiction as well. Blogs can contain the same kind of content that you put in your email newsletter. Now, blogs do have a couple of advantages over email. One, they can appear on Google, making them permanent. And, you know, an email, very popular for a short period of time, but after a year, it's lost in people's inboxes, whereas a good blog post can be just as popular a year after it was first written. And then blog posts can also contain rich media like video and audio, and you can include more photos in a blog. You can put photos in an email, but you don't want to pile them on too much because it can slow down people's inboxes on their phones. Now, for a lot of authors, the blog and the email are pretty similar. And this makes a lot of sense to me. One, it's less work for you and it's potentially more valuable for your readers because some people will prefer to get the content as an email. Some people will prefer to get the content as a blog post. At Author Media, our weekly emails are a quick summary of what that week's blog post is about, along with links to read the whole thing. So it helps people decide if they want to read that week's blog post. Some topics aren't appropriate or interesting to all readers, and a quick summary helps them know if this is an episode for them. In my experience, the fact that a blog is readable by anyone on the internet causes authors to work harder on making a blog post helpful than they would on making the email helpful, (laughs) because we're so used to dashing out quick emails that it's easy to do the same with an email newsletter. Another way to create the feeling of reciprocity is through a podcast. Readers engage with podcasts very differently than they do emails and blog posts. While readers tend to skim emails and blog posts, they tend to listen to podcast episodes start to finish. This allows you to go much deeper into a topic than you would have otherwise, and it allows you to potentially add a lot more value. For example, at this point, you've been listening to this episode for over 15 minutes. So podcasts really can go deep into a topic. The downside of podcasts, though, is that they're slow to grow. People often don't talk about the podcast that they listen to, so you don't get as much word of mouth. It's really easy for me to forward an email to a friend. It's pretty easy for me to share a blog post. I can share it by email. I can share it by social media. Podcast episodes, on the other hand, are harder to share. It's not impossible, and there's ways to do it, but most people don't share podcasts. And if you don't believe me, just ask yourself, when was the last time you shared novel marketing with a friend? (laughs) It's probably been a while. And I'll say, I don't share the podcasts that I listen to very often either. But once somebody subscribes to a podcast, they tend to stay subscribed for episode after episode. 
One way around this downside is to turn each podcast episode into a blog post, which is what we do on Author Media. We have a blog post version of each podcast that also goes out as an email. So today's topic is reciprocity. The topic for the blog post will be reciprocity. And what are we going to talk about in this week's email? Reciprocity. It's the same one all the way through. Now, I should say the blog post is not a transcript of the podcast And the podcast episode isn't just me reading the blog post. The blog post often has photos and videos that aren't in the podcast version. And I often go on tangents or share examples in the podcast that end up getting edited out of the blog post. I have some episodes for you if you're wanting to start a podcast. Uh, One is how to start an author podcast. And a lot of authors have used that episode to start their own podcast for free. I also have an episode on my other podcast, The Christian Publishing Show, How to Start Your Own Podcast, which is an interview with Misty Phillip. And I have a mastermind group where I coach authors in starting their own podcast. So I have a lot of resources to help people in starting podcasts. And I will be creating a course on podcast creation at some point in the future. It's in the works, but I'm, I'm a little busy with the Book Launch Blueprint right now, which is currently active. The registration is closed. This isn't a pitch, but it's why I'm not working on the podcast course. Uh, the final way, just to give you some ideas of how to bless your readers, is YouTube. YouTube, in terms of a tactic, is kind of a cross between podcasts and blogs. It ranks on Google better than a podcast. Pod- podcasts don't rank well on Google unless they have a blog companion. And people tend to watch a YouTube video more carefully than they read a blog post. They may skim the blog post, but you can't really skim a YouTube video very easily. Uh, So it's kind of a nice balance. The downside of a YouTube video is that it's twice as much work as a podcast because you don't just have to worry about the audio. You also have to worry about the video and you have to make the video work. You have to justify why this exists as a video and not just as audio. But the principle is the same for YouTube as it is for all of the others. If you provide value to your readers, they will want to give you something valuable back in return. Adam Curry calls this value for value, and it's what makes the world go round. Now, this is just a handful of examples to get the gears of creativity turning. But I really do want to encourage you to think outside of the box. There are many ways to bless your readers. And the very best ideas tend to be unique ones that are derived from you interacting with your readers and figuring out what they want. Maybe it's hosting live events. Maybe it's live coaching sessions. Maybe it's something entirely different. (laughs) The only way to find out is to figure out where the reader's desires overlap with your abilities, your strengths, meeting other people's needs. You find that overlap. That is where you find your sweet spot. So get to know your readers, ask them lots of questions and listen for ways you can help make their lives better. So this is the first principle of reciprocity is to sow, but this alone is not enough, which leads us to the second principle of reciprocity, which is to reap. Sowing seeds only brings a return if you're willing to reap the harvest. And to reap from your giving, you must be willing to ask. This means you must be willing to ask people to buy your book. This is a lot easier to do, I will say, if you've already been blessing people. If, you, if readers are already used to reading your blog posts or reading your emails or listening to your podcast, they already know you. They already like you. They may even trust you. And they may be waiting for you to give them something to buy. This is what happened to me with my personal blog. I started blogging 
on my personal blog years ago about dating and relationships. Back when I was a single man, <laughs> in one of the posts went viral. It was read by over a million people in around a month. And one common comment on that blog post, which got thousand plus comments, was please write a book about this topic. Now, I work with authors. I know how much work it is to write a book. And I didn't want to write a book about dating and courtship. That had nothing to do with my day job, or almost nothing to do with my day job, and I didn't want to become the relationship advice guy. But I did keep blogging about courtship, and the requests kept coming in from friends, strangers, and even a Catholic priest. So I put the book on Kickstarter, and my blog readers got the word out and raised over $10,000 to help me produce the book. I needed the help with a lot of editing, not to mention cover design and everything else. Many of those backers only knew me from my blog. They enjoyed the blog so much, they were willing to donate dozens and sometimes hundreds of dollars to help me fund the book. My biggest backer, who donated over $2,000, is someone I have never met in real life. These people would not have known who I was or wanted to help fund the book if I had not first sewn many free blog posts into their lives, given them many gifts of blessing, so to speak. In fact, many of the chapters of the book went out as free blog posts first. <laughs> Instead of hurting sales, this helped sales. Why would giving away the book for free help? Reciprocity. Reciprocity is such a powerful force people will be willing to pay for something they have already received for free. Or at least that is what I've based my entire business on. That people would be willing to pay, at least some of them, for a free podcast episode. For more about the importance of asking, read the book Give and Take, Why Helping Others Drives Our Success by Adam Grant. Our next principle is to... Don't be manipulative. Reciprocity can become manipulation if it's used unethically. To help avoid this, you give readers what they ask for. Yes, reciprocity can be abused, but if you give readers what they ask for, you're less likely to do this. Now, a classic example of reciprocity being abused is in Robert Cialdini's book, Influence, which has a whole section on reciprocity. And in that book, he talks about the Hare Krishnas and how they used to, in the 60s and 70s, give people flowers that they didn't ask for and then immediately ask for a donation. This worked. The Hare Krishnas raised millions of dollars with this method, but it felt icky to a lot of people. Part of the reason it felt icky was because they insisted on giving the flowers, sometimes pinning them on someone's suit jacket without permission, and then they refused to take the flowers back. This is a high-pressure abuse of reciprocity, and just because it works doesn't mean you should use it this way. While you can't force someone to read your blog or listen to your podcast, you can send them an email they didn't ask for. No one likes a spammer. Just because they gave you their email in exchange for a novella doesn't mean they want to receive all of your emails forever. Maybe they did for a short time, but then they changed their mind. So here's the takeaway. Make it very easy for readers to unsubscribe from your email newsletter. Another way reciprocity can get abused is with a you owe me attitude. Keeping careful track of who you have given favors may work, but it's a miserable way to live your life. It doesn't lead to a happy marriage or a happy family or happy friendships. So don't do it with your readers. 
My recommendation is to cultivate a generous spirit. Trust that what comes around goes around and trust that what you will reap where you sow. Not every seed will bring forth fruit and not every seed needs to bring forth fruit. For example, the vast majority of people who listen to this podcast don't support it on Patreon. And that's okay. The few who do support this podcast donate enough to keep the show on the air. The patrons provide enough for me to cover my expenses and to bring a little bit home to provide for my family. I couldn't support my family just on what comes in from Patreon, but it does help. Also, some novel marketing listeners give back to the show by telling fellow writers about the podcast, while others make an effort to use my affiliate links. Speaking of which, in my experience, if you're generous enough as an author with your email newsletter or your podcast or whatever, you don't need to hide your affiliate links or try to trick people into using them. In fact, you can do just the opposite and label them very clearly and people will seek them out. Using your affiliate links doesn't cost your readers any more money and it's a great way for them to say thank you for all of the work you've put in to researching and reviewing your recommendations. Most readers who download your free novella won't go on to buy your book. Some will download it and never start it. It'll just sit on their Kindle unstarted. Some will start it and not like it or not finish it. And some people are just welchers looking to freeload on handouts and giving nothing in return. And that's okay. If your writing is strong enough, people will read your book and will receive your free gift and want to give you something back in return. You don't have to create reciprocity in everyone. Not everyone will like your book. Not everyone likes any book. There's no book that's universally loved. Keeping score will just make you sad and resentful. Instead of keeping score, just dedicate yourself to generosity where you give and you give and you give and you ask and expect that some will give you back in return. Some people who get your free book will want to read more and more and more. From one perspective, nothing in this episode is groundbreaking. I've been recommending all of these tactics on the Novel Marketing Podcast for years. But changing how you think about your website and your email newsletter can change everything. If you turn these activities from marketing obligations into gifts of blessing for your readers, suddenly you'll have more ideas and your readers will want to give gifts of blessing back to you. Instead of asking, how can I get more readers? Ask, how can I better bless the readers I already have? Bless your readers and the word will spread and will bring you more readers. If you want to learn more about reciprocity, there's two really excellent books. I've already referenced them, but just once again, they're Influenced by Robert Cialdini and then the book Give and Take, Why Helping Others Drives Our Success by Adam Grant. And I will have affiliate links to both of those books in the blog post version of this episode. Also, I have another episode that hits this topic from another angle titled What Queen Esther Can Teach Authors About Platform Building. And then, of course, don't forget my free gift to you, the course, Seven Secrets of Amazing Author Websites. This course will help you build your website if you don't have one, or it will help you upgrade the website you already have. It's completely free, and a lot of authors have gone through it. Uh, It's our most popular course, and many authors go through it and build websites better than they ever thought they could for far less than they ever thought they'd have to spend. Some people end up not needing to hire a professional at all. Others, they only need to hire a professional for airstrikes to help with very specific things. And instead of building a website being super expensive, because they went through this course, it ended up being much, much cheaper because they only had to, they were to build most of the house themselves. They just hired the electrician to do the tricky parts. 
And I would like to say thank you to our featured patron, Shauna Latelier, who's the author of Remarkable Advent. With breathtaking imagery and captivating storytelling, Remarkable Advent will prepare your heart to celebrate God's greatest gift with 25 daily readings for your family. Rediscover the wonder of Christmas in this Advent devotional. And Shauna, thank you for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. And if you would like to become a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, there's a link in the show notes of every episode. (laughs) So you can also go to patreon.com and do a search for Novel Marketing. And if you can't afford to become a Novel Marketing patron, that's okay. (laughs) And if you still want to help the show, you can. Just share this episode with one writer you think would find it helpful. You've been listening to Thomas Umstadt Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstadt, and the blog post was edited by Shauna Latelier, the same person who is our featured patron today. To find the blog post version of this episode or to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit authormedia.com. Thank you for listening, and live long and prosper.